When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Number 10, Ange Jabeur. Number 9, Caroline Garcia. Number 8, Maria Sakkari. Number 7, Marketa Vondrusheva. Number 6, Elena Svitolina. Number 5, Jessica Pagula. Number 4, Coco Goff. Number 3, Arena Sabalenka. Number 2, Elena Rabakina. And number 1, Iga Svantec. Hey guys, uh, Mario was actually not late, definitely not, but uh, our <laughs> balls are dropping now. It was John indeed who already told you that he was asleep. But well, uh, we uh, we also saw the Nick Power rankings, which I don't know why John is showing them right now. Uh, is he just trying to rub it in Nick's face that so many of these players are already out of the event by the uh, fourth round by slash quarterfinals? I don't know, maybe. But then again, Goff and Sovenka, of course, made it to the quarters today, so Nick doesn't look that uh, that bad there. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about all matches, basically, today, because it's oh, just yeah. eight. And honestly, not the most exciting day, but maybe we'll find some bigger takes along all that stuff. So let's start with, uh, as usual, with what we had... Um, well, yeah. basically, that, that just finished, usually, when we're doing the last book drop show. But today, it's like two hours ago. But still, it's the freshest in our memories Andrei Rublev beating Alex Deminor and getting to his 10th uh, Grand Slam quarterfinal. So that was a pretty good match, right? Like a true, brutal war of attrition, lots of huge hitting, and eventually one player, I guess, was just slightly more durable than the other. 
Uh, yes, definitely. Um, it was maybe, uh, you know, in terms of how close it should have been. And it more or less has been, even if, you know, six love in, in the fifth set, but still um, the, the, the closest match of, of the day. And indeed it, uh, it has been on the men's side, Rublev and the minor. Uh, even when we saw the draw and we were trying to, you know, to project ourselves ahead, uh, if they were going to face off in the fourth round, there were a lot of different opinions. But of course, because they are, you know, from one side, Rublev is, mm, you know, great player when it, it, it comes to consistency, especially, um, you know, he's now been in uh, 10 Grand Slam quarterfinals, six times out of the last seven slams he played, even if he's still trying to, to reach his maiden slam semifinal. Uh, so some people, you know, had they they reasons to to think that he, sh he should have won this match. Others, you know, the minor, one of the most informed players of the moment, uh, had also the reasons to think that the uh, minor could have could have won and progressed to um, to the quarterfinal. And no opinion has been really wrong because for um, some parts of the match, the minor has really been uh, playing playing quite well, especially when uh, Rublev started being, uh, you know, between second, the end of the second, the beginning of the third set, Rublev has started being uh, very nervous and the minor was trying um, at times even to be a little bit um, aggressive, uh, a bit surprisingly, uh, even if not for most part of the match. Um, yeah, overall the level I feel like it's been it's been good, and Rublev has been great in not, you know, let the the time of the match um, make him feel feel tired. Still hitting very very strong, uh, very well even in the in the last part of the match. Uh, instead, the minor, you know, uh, his level dropped, um, and that you know explains also why. Uh, it ended the match ended in in that way uh, with you know fifth set uh, such lopsided fifth set but overall I would say a good performance um, would Deminor be a bit disappointing disappointed I I don't know but yeah I mean losing to Rublev in five it's not that uh, you know it's not a, a bad thing it's not something that you can be disappointed about. But, you know, also probably for the way he was playing, uh, trying to reach, you know, that quarterfinal at this year's Australian Open could have been, uh, could have been a goal um, for him. So I, I feel like he, he will be also a little bit disappointed in the, in the end. Yeah, uh, I did say slightly when it comes to, like, who won the War of Attrition. And I know this might sound weird, given it was six love in the fifth. But this is also because Rublev was cramping hard in the decider. Yeah. And like, even if he wasn't five love up, maybe we would have still had a match. Like, if it was three two, maybe the minor actually starts prevailing. Although Alex was so tired too. So that's why I said slightly. But of course, because the scoreline was so lopsided already, it didn't matter that Rublev started cramping like four love or three love somewhere around that time in the, in the final set. But um, yeah, uh, there I, I asked this question on Twitter. So if someone wants to like um, also give a comment there, uh, go ahead. But let's let's I talk about that. that. So yeah. yeah, let's we've got we've got nine quarterfinal losses to look at so far from Andrei Rublev at the slams. 
six of them I, I feel like are clearly like in the unbeatable category you cannot yeah. really blame him for anything there which is Medvedev three times and, and you have it on the screen now Djokovic twice Nadal especially uh, you know, for? Medvedev, Medvedev on, on hard court especially because yeah every, know, every time Medvedev on hard court French yeah, yeah. Open uh, yes yes if it uh, Yes, like I, I took that into consideration. So like yeah, Tsitsipas exactly. is only in between because it was in Durant Garros. If it was, I don't know, uh, Wimbledon, uh, I think he would have been, you know, in the second category, for example. Cilic Tiafo, definitely players that he can beat. That's for, that's for sure. Uh, but then but then again, of course, they actually peaked on the day, on the, in the whole tournament even. Cilic plays that insane 10-point tiebreak at the end, maybe the best 10-point tiebreak that we've seen in terms of like an individual performance. And Tiafo, of course, had a phenomenal US Open, came very close to beating uh, Alcaraz even. And th there's also Tsitsipas, which to me is like probably closer to opponents he kind of can't beat, but I couldn't quite put him there for two reasons. First of all, uh, Rublev had just beaten him in Hamburg a couple of yeah. weeks earlier, and also Rublev defeated him at the US Open 2019. So yeah. I can't really say that Tsitsipas is not gettable for him at the slums. Now the question becomes, like, if he loses to Sinner, which group does Yannick land in? And of course, this might very well change based on how the match looks. Like, if the, if the match is a five-setter, for example, I think it's going to be pretty clear that Yannick should be in the second category, or like maybe in between, just like Tsitsipas. If he gets totally crushed, we'll probably be, like, be, more, be more likely to put him into the first one. But just before the match, before the quarterfinal stage, where is Sinner if Rublev is indeed going to post his 10th quarterfinal exit? Where, where would... It, Yannick Land then? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I I consider Sinner uh, at the state of today, um, even if, you know, maybe not still at that kind of level, but I'm not considering him much lower than Medvedev at the US Open, uh, at the Australian Open, sorry, in 2021. As, you know, the moment of form, um, the way he's been playing, uh, and also, Rublev never beat Sinner in a completed match. Uh, his two wins uh, came um, came one after three, four games. Sinner retired in Vienna. Another one, Sinner had uh, injured his knee. He he was he won the first set with a six-one score. Uh, last year, uh, there's been that Madrid match. Um, Vienna was closer, but Sinner still won it in. In straight sets, uh, before the match, it's a bit difficult because uh, you know, still for uh, previous slams results, Sinner maybe is not already there. Uh, but still, I think that uh, you know, Sinner should be physically fresher. Um, it's a matchup in in which so far he's always pretty much more or less find himself well um, so you know for sure for sure rublev is going to be the underdog in the match uh, in my opinion uh, regardless of maybe the fact that he can win it uh, but still he's not entering the match as the favorite once again um, and then also maybe it will be perceived different different also uh, you know considering how the slam will will end for sinner if he wins this uh, this match uh, you know uh, maybe sinner wins the world australian open and then you you start thinking like mm, uh, you know that it was a totally acceptable uh, acceptable loss um, 
I don't know how to how to feel considering these two groups. Probably I would put him more or less in the same range at Tsitsipas 2020. I don't know. Uh, but still, Rublev has, you know, a better over, overall record against Tsitsipas across their matches uh, than he has with Sinner because, you know, he he still has to beat him in, in a match that, you know, ends. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, the history, I know it's 4-2, but it doesn't look that great for Rublev when you truly think about it. The two retirements... Um, and Sinner is a bit of a better version of Rublev in many ways. There's no backhand weakness. There's more dynamic uh, hitting. There's also uh, there's also like the uh, variety aspect of it that that he has yeah, exactly. added recently. Sinner, the serving, I would agree. I would argue that Sinner has a stronger sort of stronger potential going forward to his serve than Rublev does right now. Whether he's already uh, and whether he's already um, a better server than Rublev, that's probably kind of arguable. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that this is kind of unwinnable for for Rublev. I think he's actually closer to me in my book to that one category than than to Tsitsipas. And I will actually be very surprised if he manages to yeah. beat Rublev here, especially in the best of five for in the best of five format, like best of um, best of three. Maybe I would still like his chances. But uh, yeah, Ghosty's talking about the kinda in my tweet. The kinda is definitely added there just in order for the tweet to be a little more, a little less negative towards Rublev, let's say that. But um, yeah, just say you don't like bashers, save us all the, all some time. I mean, is it is it fun when you're just bashing and uh, there's no variety component to it if it's just one dimensional? Well, depends on your preferences, you know? Do I like bashers? Some, maybe I do. Um, definitely, uh, and what are, what are you guys talking about? Uh, is it? Yeah, I think the thing is that, you know, Sinner, uh, Sinner seems to have more solution, more solutions right, right now, uh, during the match and to close the point, um, Rublev, you know, still has, uh, you know, <laughs> still has to kind of beat that, those one dimensional allegations, you know, <laughs> uh, Sinner recently, of course, his style is that one, and it's not his natural way to close the points. Maybe you know, with some some kind of variety coming to the net, but he's doing that in, I would also say, quite good level. You know. Mm. Yeah, I, I I don't really see a path to victory for Rublev in a best of five set match against Sinner right now, with the way that Yannick is looking. But also today, of course, we'll we'll have taken a lot out of him. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm obviously very well. I'm welcoming. Uh, I'm you know I'm welcome to the idea of the, I'm welcoming to the idea that uh, Rublev might just surprise or something. But yeah, I think it will be a very very a big shock if he eliminates him. There was an interesting comment under that tweet of mine from Oleg who said that basically um, he thinks that the Medvedev Nadal Djokovic matchup matchups they are in a different league. Like it would be if if Rublev beat them then. It would be like no effing way. It's imp- what what what's that result? What, what is that result? I mean, it's it's like impossible. I think Sinner is also in that group for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I I think if Rublev beats Sinner, I'm gonna be that shocked as well. Yeah. So same. anyway, let let's talk about um let's talk about Sinner then. He played Kachanov, and honestly, it's kind of funny to me how people just have very different standards right now to Sinner because I read a ton of tweets which said that 
oh, I'm so glad that, like, Kachanov really stepped up. Kachanov really pushed him. And, and I'm like, where? He did have some, like, a couple of breakpoints in the second set, but where did he push him? I mean, are you guys out of your mind? But that only really means where's, like, where people perceive Sinner right now, like, how people perceive him right now. They just think of him as such an, you know, top three player, probably, that if someone even, even comes close in a set, that's already, oh, wow, what an effort from Karen Kachanov. I mean, uh, honestly, I was not expecting a different result today. Um, because, yeah, I know that there have been some previous uh, quite close, um, you know, quite close battles in the past. But, it, it you know, it's long time. Uh, it's long time ago, especially comparing to the growth of, you know, a player at the age of Sinner, one thing is playing him when he is 20 and one thing is playing him when he is, you know, 22. Uh, yeah, let's say that Kachanov did his match, uh, you know, uh, and did his match in, in, a, in a good way, but not in the way needed to really, you know, he should have played better than this to, uh, to, to make Sinner really, you know, uh, uncomfortable. It can be a matchup that Sinner may may suffer a little bit uh, because maybe Kachanov is that kind of baseline player who can bother Sinner. Mm. But Kachanov, in my opinion, lacks a little bit of mm, that, uh, let's say, that aggression uh, in some some moments of the match to really, uh, well, to really step up in in the close moments, in the important moment. Um, so so yeah one one funny thing is that um you know i i was taking a nap i i woke up after after a while and uh, you know just to 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 see how you know people are perceiving sinner right now and the tweets were like, oh, my God, but uh, where is the first serve? Uh, he's not playing well. I was like, oh, my God, what's the score? I, I opened and it was 6-4-3-4, but without the break. And I was, oh, my God. <laughs> you know? I, I was not ex uh, expecting to be something like 6-2, 6-2, 6-2. Uh, so I feel we, we've seen a normal version of Sinner um, and a normal version of Kachanov. That's what I think, and that's why the score is looking like that, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, Jane, I, I know what you mean, but like, um, I think it's important to note, like, in the second set, indeed, that was the, the breakpoint stat, but that was two sets, right? That was like one, one out of the, uh, zero out of five in the first and one out of five in the second. And yeah, Karen did have his chances in like individual sets. But uh, I, I was just sort of amazed with the reaction on Twitter, you know, people just saying that, like, yeah, as Mario said, like, if you weren't watching the match, and you just started uh, reading the tweets, you would have thought that this is, you know, into the fourth, into the fifth set, and Kachanov actually has winning chances. Which, yeah, again, it, it's ju it just really, the, the only thing it really means is, how, like, how far the standards yeah, have exactly. pushed for Sinner, the, the goal You know, post, that, you know, that great it. rally in, I think it was the, the, the 11th game of the second set, that amaz amazing rally, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of shots, 27, I think they were, 25, 27, and that Kachanov uh, ends with that incredible forehand uh, on the run, and Bay perceives you like, oh my God, Kachanov, how he's playing, he's playing well, but then, you know, Sinner wins the next eight point and, and takes the set, so maybe also, you know, you get fooled a little, a little bit about some some spectacular points. Uh, 
but then I mean the the point by point level Sinner brought was still higher because uh, despite maybe uh, you know he didn't probably have uh, these peaks peak moments in this match, uh, but still you know the the average level he brought was uh, high enough to to keep things un- under control in the end. Uh, yes, there have been a break points, but he saved them pretty well, serving well. Uh, only one one break suffered, but he was already up a break, so it basically just you know brought the set the set on serve again, and it was only the beginning in the second set. So I would say it, it has been you know a, a pretty much routine routine win, and that says a lot, you know, uh, because Kachanov for you know, it's still a very solid player who still brings some some kind of level, even if without exceptional picks. Um, so yeah, I think that it, it's it's of course encouraging from from Yannick. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think we're probably gonna go for uh, now now to uh, you know go to the other uh, quarter uh, forefront matchups that we had today let's maybe start with uh, Fritz and Tsitsipas I know a lot of people enjoyed that one I personally thought of it as like a bit irrelevant and uh, only barely watched it but I have to say that was definitely one of the best showings of uh, of Taylor Fritz that we got recently uh, it was pretty comparable to the Maroshan matchup as well and how he was just doing a lot from defensive positions and like on the run he was able to blast his backhand and never really give the initiative to the other player. Um, for Stefanos, this could have meant, and actually this could still mean, an exit from the top 10, as uh, we now have that, uh, that um, screenshot on the... Uh, you know, we, we now have that tweet from John and Vansh on the screen. Basically, if the minor defeated Rublev, then Stefanos would have been out, but also there's still the chance that Cam Nori will win the, will win the Australian Open, and then Stefanos is out of the top 10. But um, yeah, of course, that's something... Maybe a topic for another day. But for now, uh, Fritz beating Tsitsipas, I guess that was always going to be a pretty close one, but the performance from Fritz was quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, overall, it, it still has been, yeah, not, not a five-setter, 6-3, six, 6-3 three, six, three in the last two sets, but the first two have been, you know, have been really close. And so overall, I would still call it a quite close, close match as, uh, you know, it was that kind of, Mm, for how I perceive both players right now, it was that kind of match in which anything could have happened, but I wouldn't have been, you know, shocked. Mm, you know, of course, I am ex- excluding total beatdown for any of the two players. Uh, any other option would have been for me, you know, acceptable uh, before before the match. Um, it was for sure a big a big chance for for Fritz uh, to get a quarter final at the at the Australian Open, uh, because Tsitsipas, yeah, he was looking better, uh, but you know it's uh, he's in a weird situation. He's also had some some issues, that's for sure. Uh, in the United Cup, he was playing. Um, at a way lower level, for example. So in some way. You know his performance at the Australian Open. It hasn't been this bad, but of course, you know uh, he is right now in a state in in which maybe he has to to ask some questions uh, to himself. Uh, as for Fritz, um, you know, very very good performance. Nothing to say. As I say, the other, you know, the last time I I was here to consider how far he've come, uh, he has come from from the first round. 
where he was actually, uh, you know, the idea of him getting knocked out was not that impossible. Um, so having reached the quarterfinal is for sure good. Now he faced he faces Novak and. And then I mean, if we if we make this, <laughs> uh, you know, the same speech for for Rublev, it feels you know clearly, of course, the first category. You know, some matches I would be quite shocked, honestly, if if he wins it, um, because you know that's how their matchup has always been. Uh, Fritz always, you know, once won a set, actually two, when Novak had that, you know, the infamous tear, that injury moment at the Australian Open in 2021. So, yeah, it's um, it's difficult. And I would say that I, w- I would be very, very much surprised to, to not see Novak in... But still a good moment for Fritz because first top 10 winning in slams. Um, really? Oh, jeez. Yeah, he was oh. love 11. He was zero oh. eleven. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's my reaction to this. I mean, when Zverev was zero and fifteen, that was always a big deal. But I guess we just have different expectations. Of Zverev as well. Yeah, but he, he he was zero eleven actually. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah. still been kind of a you know he 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 played the let's say a kind of a beatable top top ten player uh, for how Stefanos is right now. And yeah, for Stefano, it's it's for sure a tough situation. Uh, it most likely not be out of the top ten because Nori, I don't think he will win the title. Uh, but yeah, in this moment, it seems pretty far from you know these guys like Sinner, Medvedev. Uh, but I would say um, Rublev himself, because at least Rublev he's able to bring week in week out that uh, that kind of. Uh, that kind of level, which you know, he he doesn't go lower, and so Tsitsipas has really something to do if he wants to get again closer to to these names of of the game. Yeah, I think maybe Taylor like has a better shot than usually against Novak, just if he comes into with this same mindset that he did against Tsitsipas, yeah. which is like super confident, but at the same time just not really putting too much pressure on himself. And, like, he was able to play freely. Uh, I don't think he's done it on many occasions against Novak. Then again, of course, all the matchups are still... All all the matchup disadvantages that he has against Novak, they still hold up. So, uh, yeah, I'm not not rating his chances too high either. And let's talk about the last uh, men's quarterfinal... uh, Sorry, fourth round that we had today. Novak Djokovic beating Adrian Manorino. Not much to talk about. We had a watch-along for that one, which admittedly was pretty short. Uh, me and Vaj just after the first two sets started looking at triple bagels and also looking at double bagels for the big four. And, you know, we're sort of trying to guess whether Djokovic has a double bagel somewhere, whether... Oh, and by the way, Mario, as as a host, as one of the co-hosts of a Novak Weekly podcast, who is the only player that Novak has double bageled on the ATP Tour in his career? <laughs> no, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, I really don't Jan Henrik, uh, Basel 2009. This This thing, I I remember that there was actually a guy who did even better uh, last Mm -hmm. year in the fourth round as the beginning of the match. And it was Kachanov against Nishioka. He was six love, six love, two love. And then, of course, he dropped more game than Novak's in the end because the third set went to a tie break. But this reminded me of um of this yeah i think that among the the other big four only Murray maybe has 
uh, Mari has a triple bagel. I'm sure of this, but not Mari is the only one who has a triple bagel. Yeah, I uh, think that's Davis Cup. Davis Cup. Yeah, yeah, against Lauren Brown so maybe, uh, against yeah. Luxembourg. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, uh, like exactly. it, it doesn't count. Uh, yeah, Davis I mean, it doesn't count because the difficult. extreme differences. Yeah, between the quality of the players are going to be there and. Of course, now you cannot actually triple bagel since the format has changed. Yeah, 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 but yeah, anyway, yeah. when it comes to Manarino, I think Matthew is referring to that when he said that based on the day, uh, based on highlights, sorry, it looked like there were some long rallies. And they there definitely were in the first three games. I think Djokovic still gave a bit of a clinic as to how um, as to sort of how to play against someone like Manarino. So Ben Shelton and other youngsters, really, look at that. Please watch at least the first few games of that match. But uh, the, the matchup was going to be tough anyway, and Manarino yeah, had yeah, nothing yeah. left. Good on him to yeah. win a few games, but this was never really allowed to be a match. And I guess Manarino in, like, mostly did it to himself with the three consecutive five-setters. Yeah, of course. Mm, just in normal circumstances, it would be very, very difficult, in my opinion, to to imagine uh, Manarino winning this match, especially in in best of five. Uh, also, you know, not being that fresh, twelve hours on the court uh, throughout the past week. So mm, I think it was uh, more or less impossible to imagine. I don't want to say something different because Manarino you know would have could have lost you know 6-3 6-4 6-3 and i you know it it would have been okay you know but uh still would have been difficult for me to imagine manarino even taking a set given you know what happened during the the past week and also novak was starting uh playing at a better level um so yeah um I don't have any more thing to say because you know. Yeah, it's obviously uh, this 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 wasn't the first triple bagel in a major since 1993 in a main draw because in the Wimbledon qualifying there was one in 2001, but it was going there eventually. Of course, nice for Adrian to win a, win a few games. He did see the humor in it as well, so uh, you know that's good for him. Ghosty, by the way, you're very elitist, like comparing Taylor Fritz and John Coltrane. Why wouldn't someone like both? Maybe Catherine Whitaker is actually listening to my favorite things or whatever. Uh, I love Supreme when she has uh, like a day off of uh, recording the tennis podcast. Anyway, uh, yeah, maybe let's finish off the men's discussion. Yeah, with, one issue um, about this matchup. Uh, it's been that, you know, Fritz has a big serve, but it's been very readable uh, for, for Djokovic. Uh, never had too many issues uh in in breaking him his serve i'm thinking for example you know he started the cincinnati match with a six love the us open quarterfinal with a six one uh, so yeah i think that you know for sure novak you know uh, doesn't have to play at 120 percent of his of his level fritz you know he 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 can have his shot uh but he needs to you know to to serve um, very very well uh, and of course to look this solid uh, you know from the backhand side as uh, as he was today even if you know today his um, that cross court uh, the backhand was almost favorable to him because against Tsitsipas uh, against Djokovic is totally a different scenario from from the backhand side 
Um, yeah, so let's just maybe uh, to finish off our immense discussion, um, who has a better shot simply in today's time? Is it Rublev against Sinner or is it Fritz against Djokovic? Well, I think it's Rublev against Sinner. Even if I would be very surprised to not see Djokovic and Sinner facing each other in the semifinal. Yeah, I would be very surprised too. <clears throat> kind of have to go Rublev. Fritz would be like, a, um, yeah, just a bit too much of a... Yeah, maybe I, I, I'm being a little bit mean, maybe, but it's not even a day, you know, of, of tennis I will be so excited to watch. No, honestly. no, no, this, this isn't you. This is this is a crappy set of quarterfinals, let's be honest. But thanks to that, sort of, we might get a very good semifinal. So, But this this day of quarterfinals will be absolutely horrific on the men's side. Yeah, right? the Jokovic other side is, can be already different. For example, you know... Uh... Akara Zverev, and then we're talking, right? Or like Medvedev Hurkacz or Medvedev Kazo, for example. Yeah, also, and then we're talking. Also. Yeah, then yeah we're exactly. Talking. So, um, or Borges Kazo. <laughs> I would welcome it. I would welcome it. But anyway, uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about the women's now then. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Mafia says that it will be uh, the hottest day of the championship on Tuesday. Tuesday is according to in two days' time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Hmm. I'm thinking <laughs> that actually impacts anything, but probably no. <laughs> we disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Damien disagree. <laughs> disagree on what? Uh, that will be the the best the best day of, of the championship on Tuesday. Oh, the hottest? <laughs> no, Matthew means the hottest in terms of the weather. Ah, the weather. But, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I was. I don't know why I was thinking related to to you know. No, no, no. It's about the, the temperature. Yeah, it's about the temperature. Yeah, the temperature. Mm, I. Um, okay. I don't know, you know, the condition. Yeah, I don't, the, I don't edge, the, the edges are too huge. The the edge of quality, I think, might be too big. But again, yeah. of course, if one of these matches turns out, okay, of course, I will turn it on and I will be more excited about it than I am right now. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Women's. Not much to talk about either. So let's start with the maybe the most exciting one, the only one that went free, the only one that had any yeah. like momentum changes, really, which is Barbara Kajikova beating Mira Andrieva, overcoming a 0-2 head-to-head. She lost to head Wimbledon, retiring. She also lost to head Beijing to 6-6. But today, that was a very nice display. I mean, she was just really out there and threw the kitchen sink at her, like really started attacking Andrieva with enough force to eventually battle, uh, like battle through and that was a very impressive win, I think, from Krejcikova, who, of course, will now have to overcome another very dangerous matchup, yeah. which she only won just once. And that was after a bagel first set and coming back from, like, what was it? Yeah. Love 6 to 5 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, the, today's win, first of all, Mm, great, important for her because you know you never want to to be zero three against you know a player who's sixteen, whatever good uh, she, you know she can be very very good and dangerous. But I don't think you as a tennis player would like to to fail zero three in in this head to head. Um, you know, first set the quality was pretty low. 
in my opinion. Honestly, Andreva never really, in my opinion, played a great match. Uh, but Krychikova stepped up. Uh, actually, the, the third set, it was really, really good. Um, yeah, uh, Andreva at times lets, you know, the moment maybe uh, stick in her head a little bit uh, for too long. Uh, of course, it's also due to you know her age, also, so it's it's totally normal. Um, I would still say, uh, as, of course, a satisfying Australian Open campaign, that's for sure. Um, Krejcikova, um, yes, she was not playing brilliantly in the past rounds and even in this first set. So I was um, honestly, I was thinking that Andreva would have won the match before it he was starting. Uh, but then, a very, very good performance. It's the first quarterfinal in singles in a Grand Slam in two years. So, yeah, Krejcikova, who's back in the top 10 of the live ranking, because there's still someone who can surpass her. And, yeah, I would say that she she just proved that she she is... A, a very very tough competitor and a difficult player to beat. Even if honestly I don't see anyone but Goff stopping Sabalenka to to you know on her way to the final. I don't think that Krejcikova will win the match. Maybe she will prove me wrong once again. But uh, I I find it difficult for the way Sabalenka is is playing. Yeah, and speaking of overcoming tough head-to-heads, Sabalenka was one for down against Anisimova, but yeah. that was also another non-story today, really. I mean, she just, from start to finish, went out, was so dominant. I, I think the matchup in the future can still be competitive, but of course, Anisimova so early in her comeback. And also, they haven't really played since uh, Sabalenka became like a true top player, which I guess for different people might have like, um, you might have a different uh, start of the timeline. For me, it's probably either beginning of 2023 or even the second half of 2022. So it's a little different than just looking straight up at the one for head-to-head. And yeah, John is showing you the Sabalenka-Krejcikova uh, matches from last year, which, as I said, that big comeback in Dubai. Then Krejcikova, of course, wins the title over Świątek. She says that she is basically the big four. And, um, well, that was the big three even at the time, maybe, right? I, I don't remember. It was either the big three or the big four. And she wanted to be included in the conversation. Then she yeah, lost no, it to was the big three, three and three she said that she wanted to be like the big four, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah it so... was a hot take, but... Uh... I mean, yes, but then she didn't really prove it. Like, the, the rest of the year, she didn't really prove it, uh, even though at the very beginning, maybe, uh, maybe she actually belonged. Um, but yeah, um, Ghosty is also asking, did Sabanka learn anything between now and the US Open? What will she do differently against Goff? Honestly, she just doesn't, she, she, she just doesn't have to like blow it again. Like, no, if in my opinion, she was in total you know, control of that set, yeah, of that exactly. Final. That, that first set of the US Open finals, uh, just can show her that playing a good match can even be can be what she needs to you know to to beat uh, to beat golf because um you know despite golf being great uh, in in her defense game i i see sabalenka really troubling here with her uh, with her shots as well as i can see how you know golf can can trouble sabalenka so i don't think that there's anything in particular she she has to study 
Yeah, Matthew and Ghosty talking about the Ukraine, Belarusian, Russian final. We if we, we finals, we've had a lot of matches like this this Australian Open. Thankfully, it's not been too much of a point of discussion like at the French last year. But yeah, it, it wouldn't be great, of course, with the the speeches definitely. And um, today, Kostyuk as well posted like shading the U.S. Open. I don't know if you guys saw that, but Kostyuk yeah. posted on her Twitter. Uh, basically, the U.S. Open uh, had this graphic where uh, they put Marta Kostyuk, Ukraine, and Maria Timofieva, Russian flag. So, um, of course, that wasn't too thoughtful from the US Open, but Kostyuk had like this huge rant about it. Obviously, she's one of the, the players who has like been leading the charge against even uh, allowing Russian and Belarusian athletes to uh, compete, which is pretty funny because she's played a few of them, I think, in this. Did she play two of them in this, in this event already? No, I guess, I guess she's only played one, but if she beats... Um, if she beat Sabalenka, she could... No, yeah. she actually played two in a row. Yeah, oh. yeah. I, I, I yeah. thought I, I, I thought I uh, saw her somewhere that she played two in a row. Yeah, Avanesian, of course, and uh, Timofieva. But anyway, let's let's talk about that uh, side of that um, half, like that that court, the the third quarter, I guess it is, uh, mm-hmm. when uh, indeed Marta Kostyuk defeats Maria Timofieva very easily, and in fact the reversed scoreline, Kokogov against Magdalena Frank. Really yeah. not too much of a story in either match. I guess Kostyuk Timofieva no. was the one we thought maybe was going to be competitive. But then Kostyuk delivers like her most maybe um, cohesive performance of the event. <laughs> like maybe comprehensive. <laughs> cohesive maybe. Is, ah, actually, let, let's stick with it. I mean, cohesive maybe is not, the, not exactly the right word here. But anyway... Uh, she she basically uh, manages to play her best match of the event so far, and uh, yeah, Magda Frank against Coco Golf that was as brutal as Manarino Djokovic to me. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I I didn't watch that match, uh, but it went you know exactly as I was expecting because I as I told you also mm, the last time I think Frank can be you know able to produce a, a good performance and to overcome uh, you know even to to score an upset but probably but because you know power hitting players uh, players who can have a day off you know like Garcia those kind of hitters uh, against someone like Goff who is you know just solid it becomes really, really difficult from from her side. So I was not expecting, honestly, any, anything different. And now, you know, Goff is playing very well, even if not maybe tested that much in in this event so far. Uh, let's say that you know Sabalenka, even if Anisimova is still early in her comeback, Sabalenka still kind of had her first test uh, today and passed it. In, in a very good way, and maybe for Goff, this uh, is going to be be said for the next match because Kostyuk is still uh, another kind of another kind of player. Uh, so, yeah, I I can be even interesting in in that match because I I feel that Kostyuk can still bring something different to to the table, and I want to know if Coco, you know, uh, Coco performance is going to tell me much about uh how things are going to look maybe in in a potential you know golf sabalenka clash which most people are you know expecting even if it's not that um you know it should happen but it's not that um it's not confirmed already <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I also just wanted to say Derek earlier said that I just hope Rublev does not choke in the quarterfinals again. We were talking about this earlier, but he never choked in the quarterfinals. He literally yeah, never did. Ch- ch- choke is, a, is a, a, a bad word in my opinion. You know, it looks yeah. like he was kind of two, two sets I know how the, up. I know how the record looks, but yeah, he, he never did. Like at least six of these were unwinnable, maybe seven. And yeah, Tiafo and Cilic playing very good tennis on the day. Cilic peaking in the fifth set tiebreak. So um, it, he has been he has been uh, definitely quite unlucky with this. Like if you think about Kachanov having two slam semis and also who he beat uh, to get these slam semis, for example, uh, Korda, who was injured, and also uh, Kyrgios. I guess it was peak Kyrgios, but it's not unrealistic to think that Rublev maybe wins both of these matches as well. Yeah, exactly. Shapovalov has a slam semi and he got it because Kachanov was in his quarterfinal. Like give one opportunity like this to Rublev and he makes that semi. It's yeah, just that exactly. he hasn't had one. And um, yeah, but I, I will never say that he choked any of these nine uh, quarters. Yeah, anyway, I mean, even um, the Chilich maybe was, um, you know, winnable, but it's not like he choked. You know, for me, choked means an, another thing, you know. Uh, Were the first two sets really tiebreakers between Tiafo and Rublev at the US uh, Open? I think it was a 7-6, 7-6, 6-4. Oh, they were okay. Never mind. Never mind. Then, ah, yeah, indeed. Uh, uh maybe because the the tiebreak, the second set tiebreak was so lopsided. I thought that was uh, definitely was a little closer. Anyway, uh, never mind. But um, yeah, of course, that's that's basically the point that I wanted to make. Anyway, uh, you're right, Ghosty, obviously about the scoreline and um, also what was I going to say? Yeah, Coco Golf uh, looks looks so stress free, says Matthew. Like, to me, I also think she hasn't really had the opportunity to be stressed, you know? The, the one yeah, round exactly. when she was pushed a touch against Caroline Dolheit, she actually wasn't looking great in the opener at all. Uh, Dolheit served for the opening set. When she's winning against Magda Frank 6-1, 6-2 in a matchup that she basically cannot struggle in because of the reasons that Mario mentioned, because of the fact that Frank has nothing to hurt her with, it's easy to look stress-free. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at this point, it looks very likely that she gets to the semis. Her quarter against Kostyuk out of these four that we have been uh, sort of given today, I think this is still the most interesting one. However, um, yeah, it, it, it's probably very likely at this stage that we also get that high-profile <laughs> Sabalenka golf semi. And then, of course, we'll see what happens in that one, whether maybe Arena has some issues delivering at the semifinal stage again. But um, certainly, uh, it's uh, it's not going to be like a throwaway match for either player, probably, and and I think uh, it should deliver if if we get there, indeed. And um, yeah, when it comes to Coco, I think a lot of people have been saying that like she's playing so amazing or something, and I'm like, mm, really? Can we can we really say that today she did anything? I mean, she didn't need to. It's not a. It's I'm not criticizing her because there's nothing to criticize her for. I'm just saying this tells us nothing about her actual level because, yeah, Magda Frank just isn't a player who will, like, step out of her comfort zone too much or has the ability to step out of her comfort zone too yeah. much. And then, yeah, in this matchup, she was just dead from the get-go. Um, so, yeah, we basically talked about all of these eight quarter, uh, fourth rounds that we had today. Let's we say that about against Goff, mm-hmm. uh, against Goff, um, another way, you know... Uh, Another way to be able to to kind of have a favorable matchup against her probably it's also, you know, to to make her feel the need to to rush uh, to rush a little bit from the baseline. And then maybe her forehand uh, her forehand can, you know, look a little bit um, ups and downs. Um, yeah, for example, 
let's say that even a match against Krejcikova can be can be interesting if um, but even the one against Kostyuk I I feel that like the real tournament starts now for for her let's say like that yeah, um, that, that's kind of true. I think Kostyuk is probably the toughest opponent she's faced yet. We are expecting her to maybe have some tests along the way, like Fernandez, like Garcia. That didn't yeah. happen, so Kostyuk is probably the toughest one yet. Is she still the major, like the overwhelming favorite to make the semis? Of course. Um, but so yeah, I asked you this question about um, Rublev and Fritz. Now let's uh, think about this. Kostyuk or Krejcikova, who has a better chance of stopping that semifinal? Um, that's a difficult question. Uh, well, maybe maybe Krejcikova, but because I feel that if Sabalenka has uh, enough day, you know, Krejcikova has mm, this kind of mm, variety that can make Sabalenka get a little bit uncomfortable. But with the way Sabalenka is playing, it's going to be to be tough. Indeed, Krejcikova only won, as you mentioned, only won once um, out of six matches, and still being boggled in one of the sets. So, yeah, probably Krejcikova. But I would say that uh, both have, you know, I would say both have kind of the thirty percent in my in my head. 25 yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe 25-ish, actually. It, it, it's not easy uh, to choose between the two. I think Coco is definitely like the more reliable player. Then again, I think Kostyuk might even be more dangerous. Uh, what happened with Krejcikova and Shinyakova? Did they fall out? I think it was Shinyakova, right? Who just didn't want to play uh, with her anymore. And uh, basically right now they have different partners. Krejcikova playing with another girlfriend of John, uh, Laura Zygmunt. And uh, Shinyakova is playing with Storm Hunter, isn't she? Or am I... Uh, yeah, no, it's Hunter. Yes, yes, yes. I think yes. it's Storm Hunter. Yeah, indeed. Yes. So, um, so it might indeed be a match Yeah, because Hunter was racing. playing with Mertens, who's now playing with Sie. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. this. I I feel kind of a little bit, you know, mm, not good to say. I'm, for example, reading a lot of comments like, uh, "This is Sabalenka's slam to lose," or "This is Goff's slam to lose." Uh, don't you think it's you know a little bit uh, strange? Uh, first of all, because they have to meet each other in the semi-final, so it feels like they have um, you know if they both win their quarter-final, they will have a both a, a tough test in the semis. Mm. Yeah, uh, especially when I'm reading that this is Coco's slam to lose, I'm like. Really? Is it? <laughs> I think Sabalenka has a lot more favorable matchups probably in the finals as well if she beats Coco. So it's like I can maybe understand the Sabalenka take, but as you said, there's going to be a semi-final. It's going to be pretty close. So uh, yeah, I don't think at this point we can really say anything like that now. And also I wanted to, I wanted you to, to tell me who are you picking from the other side, actually. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, it's going to be quite interesting at this point i i said it yesterday on the last ball drop show i think this is the moment when in the top half of the women's draw we just sort of yeah. sit back enjoy it relax and just you know get some popcorn get some good snacks uh probably healthy snacks maybe a beer or two 
and then you're just oh a beer I might I, I might drink some beers tonight uh, now that I think of it uh, but yeah, um, I agree. yeah I agree. this Even is that moment this is that for moment sure I feel it. for sure I feel like you know Svitolina maybe will will have some pressure on herself uh, because she's in good form um, it's still an opportunity for her to reach a maiden, a maiden slam final. Of course, it's not like if she loses, it's um, it's the end of the war. It's not like she's the, uh, you know. But I I feel that she's one of these players who can really feel feel the pressure uh, because actually she never got that there to a slam final. She's playing well, um, so she can see this as an opportunity. Even if, of course, you know, it's not easy because. Even the the round four Noskova Svitolina, it, it's actually a match I really really interesting uh, in because I feel like you know I I feel like it's fifty fifty probably. Uh, we we can not... start we can start flipping a coin for every single match in the top half from now on. I I believe in that. I seriously believe in that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, Azarenka will beat Yastremska. Uh... Tomorrow, the only favorite I am confident in is Anna Kalinskaya. Ah, Anna Kalinska, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. She should win, but... Um... Like, Paulini is fine. I, I love Jasmine Paulini as much as the next guy, which in this case will be will be Mario, so he probably likes <laughs> Jasmine Paulini a fair bit. But, uh, well, she also has uh, Polish heritage, right? So, like, we are sort of both um, connected to Jasmine Paulini in a way. But, uh, yeah, I just don't feel like Paulini in an individual match can really up, can really match one, what uh, Kalinskaya can do when she's playing well. Uh, but the other matches, like even Oshianto Deum, she just plays such a ridiculous, uh, high, progressive, you know, ball-striking uh, style. And Zheng um, has struggled against players like this in the past. Obviously, you can sort of throw out the opponent, take the opponent's racket um, out of their hands uh, in that way. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's really uh, weird. Uh, you mentioned the mental aspect for Svitolina. There's definitely a fair few players here, and that's probably actually only Zheng, Svitolina, and Azarenka, who will feel like they have some pressure on themselves because they've either been there before or they, they will feel like, oh, so finally this is my chance. Whereas the others, it's like so new to them and so random that maybe they will actually keep playing with this sort of never, you know, don't uh, devil may care mindset. So, um, yeah, it, it depends on the age, weird. in my opinion. For example, players like Doden, 27, Paulini, 28. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a pressure moment because when you're going to have this opportunity again, you know, um, maybe it's weird that I'm saying this because she's the highest ranked player and also a player with high expectation on her, but probably one who's, you know, even if he doesn't take this opportunity, we'll probably have another one, you know. Uh, so it's Kin Wen Zhang, you know. She sh at this point, there are, of course, expectations and pressure, but um, yeah, maybe tomorrow, yes, because if she loses, you know, even to. But I don't know, if she loses semifinals against Azarenka, would it be uh, a great disappointment? In my opinion, not that much, you know. No, it wouldn't be. But I guess these are just the players that would feel like, well, we, we need to take yeah, advantage sure. of this chance. That's for sure. Whereas the others, it's like so new and like they weren't expecting it to begin with. Um, but um, can Zheng compete with this Sabalenka? I don't think so. I think Zheng has a lot of issues when uh, someone takes the first strike away from her and like when someone yeah. overwhelms her with the weight of shot, which is tough to do. 
But yeah, that's why I actually bit... believe that Dodeo has a shot. Tomorrow. What we saw a little bit at the US Open. Mm. Yeah, US not a little bit. I mean, at the US Open, it was like a perfect display of that. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, lots of losses for Zhang recently, which I admittedly haven't been too many, have been like it because that's that's only really the, the only thing that she struggles with so far. And uh, yeah, KC, it was Shinyakova who ended the partnership between her and Barbora, which I know Barbora was like a little um, surprised by. And uh, yeah, as John told you, Krejcikova is playing doubles with Laura Zygmunt to start the year. I think they played one event before the Australian Open and they withdrew before the semifinals. Um, anyway, I guess this is going to be it, really. Maybe like tell me what match you're the most excited by tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've mentioned Noskova's Vitolina. Mm, so I think I'm picking this one from the um, women's side. And from the men's side, uh, well, actually, Kazohurkac, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I think Zverev, Nori, Kazohurkac, probably. Maybe someone believes in the Katsmanovic upset after two consecutive five-setters. I don't. Zverev, Nori seems like a horrible matchup for Kam, even though she, he already overcame one of these. By the way, I am so pissed at all these British journalists who are saying that Nori has never beaten Alexander Zverev. He beat him in 2013 in an ITF event and in 2014 at the West Lakes Challenger. <laughs> that was the Tell same West Lakes Challenger when Zverev beat Lee too, by the way, which uh, was a bit of a story a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, it's 4-0, of course, in the official matches. But we had two uh, two matches between them. And if, John, you can scroll down maybe just to show it to people that these matches exist. Can you? Um, can you scroll down to the uh, two matches that come won? Thank you. Exactly. An ITF event in Canada and also the qualifying for West Lakes Challenger uh, for Cam Nori. Of course, Zverev was 16 at the time, but Cam was 18. So it's not like uh, a big deal anyway. They, they were fairly close to one another. I mean, and, if they um, are official matches, mm -hmm. they should count. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I see that some British journalist says, Cam has never beaten Zverev, I'm like, Really? I mean, you you can specify that's that, why, like on the major or on that's the why, tour. That's why level, Djokovic but... is not unbeaten against Monfils. Exactly, Djokovic is not unbeaten against Monfils. Nadal is not unbeaten against Gasquet, and um, a lot of these storylines don't really work when you really go deeper into it. But the ATP website also sucks in many um, uh, and on many occasions. For example, not including Australian Open qualifying when Vavrinka beat Djokovic, uh, when Djokovic played Vavrinka, Djokovic beat, beat Vavrinka, of course, or like the Karlovic Djokovic head-to-head, -head, which is actually 3-1, not 2-1, but Madrid qualifying for some reason is not included. But anyway, this is a topic for another day. Indeed, Kazo Hurkac is probably the best one on the men's side tomorrow. As usual with Hubert Hurkac's matches, we should expect a tight battle, especially against <laughs> the fellow big server. And yeah, on the women's, maybe I would still go for Kalinska over Paulini, because yeah, even yeah. if I said that I'm, I kind of trust her right now, and I think that if she executes her game again at a very high standard, she is the only favorite I'm really confident in tomorrow. Then again, I kind of want to see if she does. And if she doesn't, then you know it becomes tricky and it could be a really good showing. But yeah, all the women's matches in the top half from now on will be really close. Yeah, I mean, Paulini uh, in is one love in the head to head. Uh, I don't even know what the match is, but um, yeah. I, I don't remember. <laughs> ah, P Portoros. You remember that? That was a big run for Jasmine, right? Ah, in that, in that occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember. That was like I a remember. final from her? or was uh, it, was She it won the, the title. She won the title. Oh, she won the title over Zidanschek. Risk, yeah, yeah. I, and I remember it because I've been the only one in the press conferences the whole week. <laughs> ah, because that was uh, virtual or... 
Uh, yeah, virtual, and uh, I had okay. I had these press conferences with Paulini uh, after each match, and it was just me and there every after every match talking about it, you know, more or less. <laughs> a lot That's of fun, things. though. That's fun, though. No, so. no, it's it's really fun because yeah. I I've known uh, his her story really really well. I've got to mm -hmm. you know to have even the chance to to ask her a lot of a lot of different things. Uh, so it's been it's been really nice. It's it's she's basically the player I I know uh, personally the most between the both tours because I've also interviewed okay. her the the, net, the the year after. So uh, I'm happy if she does well. <laughs> uh, how come the Prismich hype is bigger than the Kazo hype? Age, literally age. Ghosty, yeah. you're not miss you're not missing anything in terms of the game. It's it's age. That's that's yeah, really sure. the the answer. And uh, also, uh, yeah, I also had a, a bit of an experience like this, I guess, with Jasmine Paulini, even though at the press conference in Warsaw, there were just six people, like something like that, because of, obviously for the Świątek press conference, it would be like 50, yeah, 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 barely, yeah. barely enough seats or like actually people standing. But again, for Paulini, only like five people came and I was like really excited because finally they're doing something with a foreign player. And of course, she at first they asked her to speak in Polish. She did for a moment, but then she says it's easier. It's going to be easier about tennis in English. And then I asked two questions and the rest of the room is like, and that was the end of the press conference. And after <laughs> that, I don't think they did another one uh, that whole week yeah. with a foreign player. I think maybe after after the final, they actually did after the yeah, yeah, uh, after yeah. Garcia won it. But I wasn't there anymore because I went home. So uh but yeah that was that was horrible uh, i mean I, I i am sort of used to it but um i just um wanted to spit in the other people's faces even when uh karina muhova was there uh this yeah. year well this year i guess in 2023 well this is last year already um what am i talking about but yeah even when muhova came uh there were only two questions from the room of course one one from me and the other was are you going to watch the iga shviltek match later today I hate this, but um, well, whatever. Um, that makes me look good as well. So I always sort of welcome this anyway, because um, the, to the the press man, the press officer, and like the, yeah, the guys totally from agree. the tournament organization, then I look like the best person there. Um, I guess thank you, Sean. This is a this is a unique compliment. I've never gotten that, uh, but I guess thank you. <laughs> Ghosty, just just under that, Ghosty gives a wonderful <laughs> quote from me. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, we talked. We talked for an hour about this. Um, yeah, pretty incredible. boring day of the day. Incredible, of tennis, yeah? and it's not really a factor of the day five being like so. Of day five being so incredible, right? No, 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 no. It was a boring day. Full stop. Yeah, th this would have been a boring day. Full stop, Mario. <laughs> You're right about this. And um, anyway, thank you guys. And uh, we're gonna see you on some other streams, watch alongs. Last ball drops probably just one more time, I suppose because uh, it, after the quarterfinals, it's not really going to be a big deal to talk about, it, I guess. But maybe maybe John is planning that after also after the quarterfinals. I don't actually know. But yeah, keep tuning into this. Uh, you can see the subscriber count as well on the yeah. screen, 5.5K uh, after the Australian Open. I'm still, I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful. That's and yes, fine. John, you sleeping was wise. I also, I also got, uh, got a, quite a lot of sleep today during the day, and I'm not regretting this at all. So uh, yeah, thank you guys, and, and see you soon. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.